It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra Batiste, and I have a special guest, a familiar guest in the house with us, Jarvis. Davis is out living his best life for his birthday, so happy birthday to our guy. And thank you guys, as always, for rocking with us. We appreciate you joining us on YouTube, getting us almost to 2,000 subscribers for this Locked On Sports Atlanta network. And of course, subscribing, liking, follow us. We appreciate it all. And wherever you download your podcast, whatever platform that is, make sure you give us a five-star review, whether that is Jarvis rocking with us or the amazing Miss Maria Martin, 11 Alive anchor for us here in the A. We just appreciate you guys stopping by. So first and foremost, family, we got to give a welcome and much love to Maria. What's happening? Happening, my friend. I am so happy to be here, Tanitra. I'm not as cool as Jarvis, but I'm going to try to be. And happy birthday to Jarvis. We love him so much. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for listening and watching. They do such a great job, and I'm honored to be able to fill in today. Absolutely. And Maria is as cool as he is, by the way. You guys are going to see. So listen, we've got a great show planned for you guys. As always, we're going to start off talking about those guys who rocked it at Truist Park, getting it done with defense, amazing pitching, and another walk-off like, whew, man, they give us cardiac arrest all day, every day, but you love to see it. And also we're looking for our team down on the south side to bounce back tonight. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And then and look, we know everybody has all eyes on what's going to happen two days from now at State Farm Arena. New GM, newly minted GM as of July 1st, Landry Fields gave us a little sneak peek. And so Maria and I are going to react to where we think we're going. the Hawks are going to go based on what GM Landry Fields has said. And also, as always, guys, we got your sports entertainment and culture intersection. We call it For the Culture. And we're going to talk a little bit about some cool things or maybe not so cool things happen. You guys stick around to see. But first things first, Maria and I are talking Braves. Maria, you were out there last night covering the game, starting the seven-game homestand for the Braves, kicking it off with the Giants four-game series. And once again, it, it was one of those things where as I was watching the game and kind of looking at the highlights, I'm like, boy, I can't wait to hear what Maria's thoughts are on what she thought about what stood out to her. So we could go Max Freed in terms of that amazing seven innings of one run AK ball. We could go with the walk-off home run and talking about the fact that once again, we're getting things done in different pockets like an Orlando Arcia or the fun of Jock Peterson being back in the building. What say you in terms of what you thought was really the best of what you saw in game one of this seven game homestand? Well, I think first and foremost, it was so exciting to see Jock Peterson back in the building for sure. Uh, I was really pleased with the way that fans resented him as they should. And I think it's still so funny to me how much he is loved. He was only with the Braves for a couple of months. You know, they traded for him after the All-Star break. Yet he seriously is like the biggest celebrity when he's around Braves fans. It's so crazy. Um, I love that. He's such a good guy and it was good to talk to him. Um, everyone knows that Jock is outspoken. And a lot of the times he's not very talkative, but when we did talk to him 
him in the dugout before the game. He had a lot to say, how special Braves country was. He said actually walking into the ballpark, the coolest part to him and his favorite part about Truist Park and really just being in Atlanta was the hospitality. He said all of the stadium workers were so happy to see him, said, hey, Jock. Um, so it was cool to see him. He pinch hit in the ninth and he got a standing ovation. People cheered for him. And then he almost hit a home run, and it went just right at the foul pole. And I was like, wait a second, chill out. We don't need any right. of that. You can just show up, and we can cheer for you. Right. That. right. I was expecting some booze after that, and people did. Um, but it was good to see him back in the building. But I think for the Braves, what stood out to me the best is that the way that this lineup is able to produce hits and meaningful at-bats has yeah. been so crucial. We saw what they did in the 14-game win streak. Obviously, mm -hmm. they got to in Chicago, and it was kind of weird. But the fact that Orlando Arcia has been able to step up and really hit the baseball at key moments is mm -hmm. so crucial. We saw him hit that walk-off win. Uh, I think it was his fourth career walk-off. And the yeah. fact that he's been able to step into the place of Ozzy Albies and shine was outstanding. Mm -hmm. Max Reed, as you mentioned, Tanitra, on the mound he was almost unstoppable. I mean, this is the max that we know he can be. He is the ace right. of the ball club, and it was so great to see him on the mound. Um, I wish he could have gone a little bit more, but obviously yeah. after uh, getting a couple of those guys on bases later in the game, he had to be pulled. But it was yeah. really a pitcher's duel until late, and it was exciting to see the Braves start off against an NL West team that is contending. So this is going to be a big measuring stick for the Braves, starting with the Giants. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing I love about it as well is, we saw in that run of 14 games, if you will, we saw the, the bats just came alive, right? And it was every game we were talking about multiple home runs from multiple batters. But this time, I don't know, I really love the fact that this was a tight game, like you said, with a true contender. And the Braves showed that from a defensive perspective, they can get it done. And the walk-off, which it was a single. It was a single, yes. right? And the reason I think that's important is because, like you said, efficient at-bats. Not every at-bat is going to be a solo shot, a long ball, if you will. But when you get that at-bat, especially someone like Orlando Arcia, are you making it count? And I really, really love that. And even when you get into a jam like the Braves got into, to in the eighth inning to know that the night shifter, what do they call themselves? I think they've remixed the name. So it's like no oh, more night shift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, we've deaded the night shift, but to see the bullpen really come through and we're seeing Kenley Jansen get back to the Kenley Jansen we saw at the beginning of the season. I thought that those were some really good takeaways from that game as well. I actually love to see a 2-1 win because to me, it shows even after the stretch of the 14 games, now that we're sort of in the 16-2 and two space. So yeah, we can't say undefeated in June anymore, but we can say 16-2 in June to get in this space as we're slowly but surely approaching the trade deadline, show slowly but surely approaching All-Star. We know the Braves can get it done in different ways. And to your point, when Arcia does what he did, it takes that pressure off of Alex Anthopoulos of thinking that you have to go out and get somebody to replace Ozzy at second base and also to your more important point to replace what he was starting to do at the plate. And the other thing I think you mentioned, which I think is a great point as well, is this. When you look at the fact that we're starting this particular homestand with the Giants and you're looking at playing the Dodgers upcoming, you're looking at some serious contenders in the in your own league, if you will. You look at a game like this and you yeah. say they won that first game, which is always a good look, but you look at the entire series and you say to yourself, does winning this game or even winning this series against a team like the Giants, does it feel like it's bigger than it is or is it really this big? 
I mean, I think it's a little bit of both for sure. And and if you ask manager Brian Snicker, he'll tell you the same thing that Bobby Bobby Cox used to say is that you just play the schedule. But this really is an important part of the schedule. We saw that they were able to reel off 14 straight against teams that really aren't that good. But now when you turn the corner and you have Mm -hmm. a lot of National League teams coming down the stretch, not just the Giants, but the Dodgers and then the Phillies who have been virtually unbeatable this summer. I mean, that is so important for the Braves to make sure that they can show that they can contend. And look, I think what we need to mention is that at this point in the year last year Mm -hmm. they were not in as good of a position as they are now they have a little bit more wiggle room before the all-star break which is a good look you mentioned Mm -hmm. that gives you a little bit more breathing room so i think if they can show that they can at least either split or contend against both the giants and the dodgers that'll bode so well for the braves heading into the philly series and also before the all-star break yes and then to have the confidence especially in what we saw in his last outing For Spencer Strider coming up tonight in game two, I think that's also a good thing, Maria, that we're starting to see that pitching staff, if you will, kind of round itself out. And we know we get the ups and downs of a Charlie Morton, and sometimes Kyle Wright will have a little bit of a dust-up there in maybe an early inning. But to see that that rotation is starting to round out with what Spencer Strider is able to do, finding that second pitch, to put it in his arsenal, and really befuddle batters, I think that's a wonderful thing for the Braves as well. So again, really I think we've all said it in different ways while we didn't want to lose someone like an Ozzy Albies if you had to compared to where you were maybe last year when you lost a Ronald Acuna Jr. if you will or other players went down you're in a much better position as the Braves than you were last year but a team that is going into this offseason not as good a position as they were in last offseason the Atlanta Hawks but got a new GM in place who's been around for a minute and we want to talk in that next segment about how he's going to proceed in the next 48 hours it's ATL day ones come back on the other side and you'll hear Maria and I talk all about it welcome back to ATL day ones once again I am Tanitra this is my girl Maria and we are grateful that you guys are rocking with us once again of course Jarvis is out on vacation enjoying his best life for his birthday he'll be back next week but in the meantime in between time Maria and I got you covered with all things Atlanta sports so again Thank you guys for rocking with us on YouTube, getting close to 2,000 subscribers for this Locked On Sports Atlanta network. And also, thank you guys so much for continuing to support us on various audio platforms where you download your podcast. Keep giving us five-star reviews because when we bring you amazing guest hosts like Maria, why would you give us five stars? Just saying. And we hope that after Thursday night, we're giving five-star reviews to the Atlanta Hawks for having a solid draft. And we hope as we continue in this churn of NBA free agency, better known as the drama factory. But when we continue to churn in NBA free agency, also look to give them five stars or an A as well. But real talk, Maria, we're right on the doorstep of this NBA draft, maybe one of the most important off seasons for the Hawks, at least in recent memory, right? So we learned last week that they promoted Landry Fields into the GM position. And although it'll take effect officially July 1st, he's operating in that right now, gearing up for Thursday. So he's talked about a couple things recently, right? And meeting with our local media, you and I and other members of our local media about the draft being one where the Hawks would probably go with their typical standard kind of approach of best player available, but also I acknowledging the fact that there's a, a key need on defense. I mean, we all know it, especially on the wing, but also wanting to be mindful of appreciating and recognizing the need for someone who can come in and just build on the chemistry of where the Hawks are putting all of those things together to make sure they get the proper run 
in the Eastern Conference like we saw last season. That said, how important is this, not just for the Hawks, to get this draft right, to get this free agency period right for the future of this franchise as the Eastern Conference continues to ramp up for those top tier teams? How important is it for the Hawks and Landry Fields to get this right? I think that this is one of the more important drafts that they've ever had. And and mostly because when you saw the Eastern Conference Finals run a year ago, and then they really made virtually no changes throughout their roster in the following year, multiple people admitted that maybe they shouldn't have done that. So I think in order to make changes, you have to actually make change. And that starts with the draft. Um, you know, it's funny because he did say that the Hawks typically go best available. And yes, in the past they have. I don't believe that he even believes that they're going to do that. I think we're going to see a lot of drama on Thursday night from the Hawks because they need to make a splash and they need to make something happen. You and I have talked about it. They're about a couple guys away from me taking them seriously as a team and as a franchise. And in order to do that, you got to trade. You got to make sure that you get guys in here who can actually facilitate and make sure they make an immediate impact on the court because right now they're just hoping that the guys that they have on this roster can kind of grow and it mm -hmm. hasn't necessarily happened. And either guys yeah. have been getting hurt or they really haven't made the progress like DeAndre Hunter, like they mm -hmm. thought that he could. We saw flashes of that against the yeah. Heat for DeAndre. But really, if you put it on a whole platter in his career, what he's had so far, he mm -hmm. hasn't really panned out to be everything that they thought that he would. He's just one of the examples. The Hawks need so many things. And in order to do that, they're going to have to make a big splash on Thursday. I expect to be very busy on Thursday night. I've seen, I've seen so many rumors between John Collins, Kevin Herter, a bunch of names out there. I think we're going to see a big trade from the Hawks. I would seriously be shocked if they pick at 16. Agreed, agreed. And it's interesting because one of the things that I saw, you know, one of the rumors, because like you said, so many rumors out there right now, is mm -hmm. them moving up in the draft. And the first thing I said, Maria had kind of a, a Tanisha meltdown, which is not really a meltdown. It's more of like a side eye. But I was like, no, don't do it. Unless, unless you're going to move up to go to say seven or somewhere in the lottery for the purposes yeah. of leverage. Because certainly I don't think this draft is one where there are any outstanding players, especially either one of the two spaces where most people agree, depending on what camp you're in, because it seems like there are three camps with the Hawks, right? seems like there's the camp that says, hey, we need a backup to Trey slash two who can really move well with or without the ball, right? And, and give some more defense for the backcourt. And then you've got that other group that says, hey, we need that swing guy. We really saw the Hawks struggle with uh, – defending on the perimeter. So you've got to get that guy who can do that and still be comfortable handling the ball. And then you do have a few people who are in that mindset that you need a kind of a different five, if you will. So depending on where you are, but real talk, this draft probably is one where you go out and either get a guard or get a swing. There's really no different, you know, there's no middle ground there. But I agree with you. I think that you can say until you're blue in the face that it's going to be about best player available. I don't think that's the case. I think you're going to go after need because how do you not, even if you go after a guard, for example, how do you not go after a two-way player? I mean, that that that's going to be critical, if you will. And you go back to something you mentioned about the Eastern Conference and the foe, the, you know, particularly the Miami Heat. But yeah. it was really easy for them. They just said, hey, we're going to shut down Trey Young and then we're going to make this entire team beat us. And we're going to go to the wing. And we're just going to drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. So everybody figured out the formula, but Miami perfected the formula. And that's why we saw that kind of go the way of the, I said the way of the water buffalo, 
Flip side, you look over in the Western Conference and you look at the Warriors and kind of key pieces that stepped up to the plate and were able to either give you two-way play or give you defense when you needed it. So I think to say that it's going to be another best available, I kind of think that's kind of played a little bit cat and mouse. I think it's really going to have to be about need and that's going to be defense. Other thing you mentioned that I wanted to kind of piggyback on in agreement with you is it's the movement that's going to take place in the next 48 hours, that's going to be a trickle down effect of what we see Thursday. So yeah. all of those names that have been bantered, right? Everyone from a DeAndre Ayton to a Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine and all points in between. I think now the Hawks have said, as you mentioned, they've acknowledged whether that be from uh, Travis Schlink or Tony Ressler that, hey, we need to be aggressive and we're not gonna be concerned about a luxury tax. We're gonna be concerned about going after the best players that will come here. Atlanta's finally in a point in place where they can attract big name free agents. And I think they have to do everything that they can do. And if your name is not Trey Young, there has to be a willingness to part ways. Maybe with the exception of like a few folks, because you mentioned earlier, someone like an Onyeka Okongu, right? That might be your one young that maybe you hold on to. But I agree with you. Got to be open and willing to do just about everything because you saw what standing Pat last preseason, not just at the trade deadline, yeah. something Pat last off season that brought you to the point of the early exit out of this, uh, this round of the, the postseason. Yeah. And we're talking so much about defense. That's got to be such a huge emphasis because when you go back to the series against the Miami heat, really they exposed every single weakness on the court yeah. for the Hawks and they did it so well. They took every single facet of their game away. And you talked about their struggles along the perimeter. You saw what Miami was able to do. And this wasn't even a really good Miami team in comparison to theirs in the years past. So right. I think that really exposed where the Hawks were at this point in time. And it also made people realize that that Eastern conference finals run was so special. And it was almost like a Cinderella run when you really compare it to this year because yes. virtually nothing changed like we talked about. And you and I have talked not on here, but off to the side about how mm -hmm. they have to make changes in order to make the next step in this franchise. Trey Young needs help. Trey Young's yes. defense isn't getting any better. You've yes. got to figure it out and you have to make sure that these guys can be competitive defensively. And the only way that you do that is you get someone in who has maybe an established tenure already in the NBA. So we're talking yes. about a trade. I think that that's maybe where they're going to look for and talk about this draft not being necessarily one where there's a lot of impact players. I don't mm -hmm. believe so either, especially when you get outside of the lottery. They're lucky yes. that a guy like Kevin Herter was drafted later in the first round and he's been able to be what he has been in the NBA so far. That doesn't happen mm -hmm. a lot of the times in the first yeah. round of the NBA. So I think in order for it to be worth it for the Hawks, they got to move up and move up very far, which means giving away a lot of pieces. So if you're a Hawks fan, please understand yes. this is going to be a different looking team. I personally think on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and and I'm here for it. I am definitely yeah. here for it. And as long as you and I have covered that team, we definitely have established some positive relationships with many of those players. So from yeah. a heart perspective, yeah, it'll be tough to see some of them part ways. But from a head perspective, you've got to do what's right as the Eastern Conference is going to continue to ramp up all those teams that are, especially in that top four, you know, when you talk about the Heat or, or the Bucks. For example, those teams are going to keep ramping up and then you've got to take advantage of teams that may be deconstructed, potentially yeah. like a Sixers team. You've got to take advantage and you've got to move yourself up. And finally, there's something you said that I wanted to just co-sign on before we wrap up. And that is at the end of the day, if you really want this team to take a next step, you've got to get some veteran presence there because we know the fall off when Vince Carter left in terms of not just what he brought on the court, but off the court, we're probably going to see 
Lou Williams announce a retirement. I'd be shocked if you saw him in a Hawks uniform again or in NBA uniform, period. So yeah, I think you've got to go out there aggressively to get veterans because you need that presence to also help this team to get over the hump and get back to the top of the heap for Eastern Conference. So thank you guys again for rocking with us. We appreciate you. And you know that Maria and I will be watching and reacting to everything that happens in the next 48 hours when it comes not only to the Hawks, but to this NBA draft. And like we said, when we come back, it'll be sports, entertainment, and the intersection of those two is for the culture right here on ATL Day Ones. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra Batiste, and this is my beautiful friend and amazing anchor at 11 Alive, Miss Maria Martin, who's also a guest stopping by, rocking with us here on For the Culture. Thank you so much for just, again, taking the time out to be with us today and helping us to get to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube with follows and likes and subscriptions, and also for being one of the amazing parts of this show whenever she stops by to help us to be uh, get the five-star reviews and give you the quality content that we do so that you can continue to give us those reviews on all of the platforms where you download your podcasts. So this, of course, guys, is where we react to all things sports, entertainment, or the culture. So word on the street, Maria, is that there will be another potential defection of an, a PGA golfer. This time, it's Brooks Kepka, latest golfer to leave the tour, potentially, for Live Golf, the Invitational Series, according to reports by ESPN, at least at this point. Of course, he's very high profile, been very successful on the circuit, but has decided that he, too, wants to make that move like we've seen so many uh, golfers of recent, obviously the most high profile, Phil Mickelson. What is your thought on how that might impact the PGA Tour that yet another golfer is saying, yeah, bye, I'm gone, we're out of here. Well, we only have five minutes, but I could talk about this for about 50. I am a big golf fan. I grew up in South Florida. So I golf is in my blood. And honestly, I think this is really scary because the PGA tour is changing and it's changing rapidly because of the live tour. And Brooks Kepka is not going to be the last big name, I don't think. I'm I'm not shocked that Brooks was the next one. Um typically when money is involved, Brooks will be right there behind it. So um, you know, that's not shocking to me, but it does concern me a little bit. It's interesting because I'm getting ready to sit down with the tour, cha- the tour championship director here in the next hour. Uh, we'll be asking him about what he thinks. You know, mm-hmm. that obviously is the finale for the FedEx Cup point standings right. here at East Lake in Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's going to look so much different because you see all yeah. of these big name players going over to Saudi Arabia and playing in the live tour. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my instant reaction is I'm sad because I love the PGA Tour. I love how it operates. I love the format. I love that it's always a different guy competing. But now I think the good news about all of these big names going over to Saudi Saudi Arabia is that you literally are going to get younger guys breaking through for majors for the first time in their career. We saw it at the mm-hmm. U.S. Open. Yes. It's going to continue to to happen over the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So there's the good news, although I do think that um, it's really going to change the future of golf. I don't know how long the live tour is going to be around. I don't know that the model makes it sustainable, but, right. you know, if it is around for the near future, you're going to see some more big names fall off and join Phil Nicholson, Kevin Na, mm-hmm. uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, right. all of them. Which is, yeah. it's funny to see Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka going to be playing in the same right. in the same thing over there. That's going to be a little scary. Talk about drama, but yeah, yeah. The guys are following the money, and uh, it's unfortunate because I thought the PGA Tour had held you know a mm-hmm. reputation over the last yeah. century, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you in terms of this is a we shall see. And this is one of those kind of, you know, for the most part, golf is a drama free situation, right? right. And this might be the biggest drama, at least in our lifetime, that Literally. we've seen in the golf world. But the thing that I like about it is, it, and, and not, it's a little bit of an apples to orange comparison, just throwing it out there. It's good to kind of sometimes have competition, even if that competition is not apples to apples, or even if it, it may turn over the apple cart. My thoughts went to situations like, say, the ABL versus the WNBA, yeah. or uh, you look back at just really old school NBA versus ABA. And of course, all of these leagues that have popped up since the NFL, AFL merger, right? And what it does is it at least questions what the establishment is and kind of helps you to level set. So if nothing else, it at least is making the PGA think twice about what they're doing and how they're going about it. And right now I know they're kind of fighting it tooth and nail, like, no, you will, you're defecting and you're not welcome here. And that's what they okay. But I do think it at least, it causes conversation. And for me, I like that because a lot of times the conversation alone will create a change that is actually going to make the game better in the future. So I think if nothing else, that's kind of what this is causing. And I love to kind of watch to see what that actually looks like as we're going forward. And speaking of going forward and the future, I started a next year of my life yesterday because I have my birthday. So uh, it's been a crazy like four or five days because people have been popping up out of nowhere. And I'm thinking, oh, I did not expect all of these surprises. So Maria, as we wrap up this episode of ATL Day Ones, I just wanted to know what your favorite surprise birthday, I don't know, experience was, we'll say. Yeah, I don't know if I had, like, I hate being surprised. I really, I always ruin them. And <laughs> I'm really bad at it, but I will say like my favorite birthday ever was last year because unfortunately for my husband, we got married three days after my birthday. So we have to celebrate my birthday and my anniversary in the same week every year, which really sucks for him, but it's great for me. And so we were, we got married in the Bahamas and we were there for my birthday. So we had everybody that I love on my birthday in like a magical place. That was definitely my favorite birthday. So I don't know if it was a surprise. I guess it was because we were a COVID wedding and we had to change a million times. So technically it was a surprise. It was really fun. It sounds like it was fun. And like you said, not necessarily a surprise, but still a, an absolutely beautiful, beautiful situation. I can remember seeing all the pictures on social media and just thought, wow, it just looked like you guys had an amazing time. Just like we have had an amazing time here. We hope that we can have an amazing time tomorrow talking about another Braves dub. That is what we're hoping for. Also hoping that the dream can get back on track. It's been a tough four game losing streak for them, but they're back home tonight playing the Wings, who they beat in the season opener. So hopefully that'll get them back to their winning ways because we are always winning here, just like A to Z with Mark Zeno is always winning as well. So always stop here at ATL Day Ones for your first stop on our Lockdown Sports Atlanta network. And then check out our boy Mark Zeno. For Maria Martin, I am Tanitra Batiste. Thanks for stopping by and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.